book of Isaiah and the 33rd chapter. Isaiah chapter 33. And I want to read from the 22nd verse of Isaiah chapter 33. One verse of scripture, and this is what the word of the Lord says. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our law giver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Forty-eight hours before election day, I would like to preach on this subject, one nation under God. Hallelujah. Why don't we go to the Lord together in prayer? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your mighty power. We thank you for your holy word. Lord Jesus, we need you in this hour. We need you in this nation. We need you, O oh God. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. And Lord, you have never failed us. And you won't fail us now. We know in whom we have believed and we are persuaded. That regardless of what man may do, the Lord is our king. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our judge. And we love you. We thank you for it today in the precious name of Jesus. And the church said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. If I hear the term path to 270 one more time. I know that the last thing you wanted to do was to come into church and hear uh, your pastor make an attempt at being a political pundit. So I won't do that. And I think you know me better to know that I would never do that. I'm not a political pundit. I am a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, I think it's important. I think that the pulpit has to sound the word of God. The word of God. Uh, in the Revolutionary War, uh, when, when the colonies were uh, declaring their independence, uh, you, you have to understand it was an insurmountable uh, feat to take on the, the world's greatest superpower at the time, which was, which was Great Britain. And uh, it was an insurmountable feat for uh, this ragtag, if you please, group of, of soldiers uh, who were uh, glorified militiamen, or were actually militiamen, uh, minute men, men who would in a minute's notice be ready to go to battle for the sake of independence. Uh, it's, it's important to note that the, the pulpits many times were where the encouragement to go forth and gain independence, that's many times where the encouragement came from. The preachers would sound the alarm. The preachers would declare from the Holy Scriptures the fact that people are to be free. People are to be independent. They have that blessing upon them from the Lord. And so one of the great lies of the enemy is that the church is to be silent when it comes to matters of the politic. Or to matters of the government. It's a, it's a lie. Let me, let me explain to you what I, I mean by that. 
If I were, and this is a common misconception in society today, that you are somehow supposed to separate your faith from your politics. You are somehow supposed to say, okay, I have two parts of me. One is what I believe, and the other is how I think my government should operate. Uh, I remember when the uh, former KGB uh, uh, official came uh, to our church. He had been in the KGB under communist Soviet Russia. Uh, But then he, of course, repented of his sins, was baptized in the name of Jesus, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And he became a freedom-loving child of God. I remember him standing in our pulpit and saying to us that as a child, the first thing they would learn under communism was simply, there is no God. Repeat after us, not you, but the kids then. (laughs) There is no God. The reason that that is such an important tenet of the doctrine of devils uh, concerning uh, modern day government is that God kind of messes everything up. In a society where people want to simply uh, be a law unto themselves. Uh, It's important to understand that liberty is not us being a law unto ourselves. Liberty is actually a law itself. The Bible calls it a perfect law. The perfect law of liberty. So it is not lawlessness. It is actually lawfulness. It is actually the law of the Lord in application. So let's just say that we were to abide by this Uh, concept that that faith is not to inform politics faith is not to inform government that 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 our faith should be strictly separated from our ideas about government if that were the case then I would not be able to preach from this Bible I wouldn't be able to do it if I were to strip all politics from this Bible I got no Bible left The first five books of this Bible are called the books of law. That is a political term. The next book, the next books, Joshua, and then following Joshua is the book of Judges. This too, of course, is a political term. Then we have two books called Kings. That's a political term. And then you have two books called the Chronicles of the Kings. This whole Bible has to do with politics and government. Well, let's, let's just... Let's just go with this idea, though, that, that preachers are supposed to say, stay moot on anything political. Anything that has anything to do with government, preachers should not utter their voice. Well, then, then again, I have nothing to preach because every time I would mention a character in this Bible, I'm mentioning people who were heavily interactive with the governments of their day. If I were to remove every character from the Bible, who had any interaction or interfacing with government. I would have to remove Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. I would have to remove, of course, uh, David, King Solomon, King Jehoshaphat, King Josiah, King Joash, King Jehoram. I would have to remove Daniel... I would have to remove Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I would have to remove Queen Esther. I would have to remove Elijah, who was on a first-name basis with Ahab, and Elisha, 
who also had three kings to visit him routinely and would consult with him. And the prophet Elisha was known as the, quote, prophet in Israel, unquote. And when kings would hit a bumpy road, they would, they would come to this point and say to one another, is there not a prophet in Israel? They, these prophets were not merely religious advisors. Religious advisors anymore have nearly been chalked up as how do we make inroads to the religious community. But, but that wasn't what the prophet was for. The prophet was sincerely sought out for what should we do about a matter in this case or in that case. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If we ever needed a prophet in Israel, we need a prophet in Israel right now. This is, I understand, listen, I'm, you know I'm not going to endorse anybody because, number one, I don't want my name attached to anybody right now. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I can't go, I can't go condoning everything said, done, and, and who knows what next will come out on, a, on a, an email uh, controversy. Who knows what hot mic is on. Dear God, have mercy. I'm not endorsing anybody. I'm endorsing King Jesus. <laughs> Nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you, Lord. So we have to understand. But I, I do think, and I, and I want to encourage you. I really do. I want to encourage you. And I'm, I'm not going to stay on modern politics. But I do want to encourage you to pray and vote. Pray and vote. Again, we get into this this. False indoctrination that we come to church to pray and then we go out into the world and we do everything else. No, whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. We pray about everything except voting. We're looking, at, we're looking at media to tell us how we should vote. We're looking at friends to tell us how we should vote. We're looking at polls. We're looking at stats. We're looking at demographics. We're looking at what the pollsters say. We're looking at what the pundits say. And, and we're, not, we're not taking time to see what doth the Lord say. And I just, I just know enough about God and know enough about prayer that if you'll take time to pray and seek His face then he'll give you direction and it'll be between you and him. And it won't be about anybody else. It'll be between you and the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to not just vote, but pray and vote. And so that's important. That's a very important thing. I think it's important that, that Christians take time to navigate these these. Uh, uh, difficult waters. These are complex issues and these are complex times. And it is a conflicted moment in the hearts and minds of many people. And it's important that we take the time to discern spirits. It's important that we take the time to seek the face of God. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto us. So I want to I want to say that, and then I want to get to the meat of what I really want to present to you. Because I cannot, I can't condone what's going on in our political system right now. I can't condone the corruption that exists in our political world right now. I can't condone any of that. But I can exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will preach to you the truth of God's word. 
And I believe that somehow through the preaching of the truth of God's word that the child of God receives greater clarity as to what they should do in the name of the Lord. And so let's look at who we are as Americans. What is America and, and who is America? First of all, let me say that America is a very special nation. It is a very special nation. And there is no nation like America on the face of this planet. We are a free people, ladies and gentlemen. And, and I'm, not going to, I'm not going to stand up here and act like we haven't been a flawed nation because we have been a flawed nation. And even our founders who penned some of the most powerful words ever constructed and placed on parchment. Even our founding fathers had their flaws. And, and I remember when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and he said, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And, and, and 3,000 people got the Holy Ghost added to the church that very day. Eight chapters later, the Lord said, you're going to go preach to the Italians. And he said, oh, I don't think the Italians can be saved. He just said, all flesh. So the Lord inspired him to put something into holy writ. And then, and then he himself had to be convinced of it later. That's a lot of what happened with our founding fathers. What our founding fathers put in that declaration of independence was earth changing. It was divinely inspired. When they said that all men are created equal. Some of them didn't even know what they were pinning when they pinned it. But they were right. And when President Abraham Lincoln abolished slavery 89 years later he hearkened back to that document and said this document stands as the testimony that all men are created equal and every one of us should shout about that and give God praise He looked at two documents. He looked to the Holy Bible and he looked to the Declaration of Independence and he made his case to the American people that slavery is a cause for war. And he was extremely unpopular, but he did what was right. And when he did what was right, the Lord was with him and slavery was abolished. And a hundred years later, segregation was also done away with because of the same founding documents. These documents that put America into motion are divinely inspired of the Lord. Where did these founding fathers get these ideas that all men are created equal? Where did they get these ideas that we have certain inalienable rights that have been down upon us by our creator? Do you realize that, that when Thomas Jefferson penned those words, he was saying, we have rights to be free. All men have rights. And by men, mankind. All mankind has rights to be free. And we have received those rights, not from the state, but from our creator. I'm going to tell you something. That truth reverberated across the oceans and shook Great Britain at its very core and freed a continent of people, ladies and gentlemen. And so when we look at this today, we understand that these foundational truths are truths that come from some place that's bigger than Thomas Jefferson, bigger 
than Benjamin Franklin, bigger than George Washington, bigger than Alexander Hamilton, bigger than Patrick Henry, bigger than John Hancock. These foundational truths originated from someplace. And I'm going to tell you today where they came from. Because they did not come from the mind of man. And they are something special. And they do have power to make people a free people. This is why people want to come to the United States of America. It's not because we, got, we lucked out. We lucked out and we became a prosperous nation. We did not luck out and become a prosperous nation. There are foundational truths at the core of who we are. And we can't let those slip away. And we can't let those be eroded. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Let me tell you something. Too many on opposite sides of the aisle when we should all be in the altar. I find we have a lot more in common when we just focus on Jesus. And so we're going to look now at where the word of the Lord gives us or where we receive these foundational truths. We receive them. I read to you a verse of scripture, Isaiah 33, 22. The Lord is our judge. Everybody say judicial. judicial. The Lord is our lawgiver. Everybody say legislative. legislative. The Lord is our king. Everybody say executive. He will save us. Everybody say, Jesus. These are the three branches of the United States government. Separate but equal branches of government. All one Lord. He is our judge. He is our lawgiver. He is our king. And he will save us. Our founding fathers did not just get together and smoke cigars and drink some brewskis and come up with some kind of an idea to put together a constitution and a declaration and a bill of rights and then launch out into some kind of a revolution. No, they received from this Judeo bedrock principle that there are three branches of government of one God. It's the judicial, it's the legislative, and it's the executive. God established this with Israel when Moses was leading Israel out of Egypt and the exodus of Israel from Egypt was a massive undertaking and Israel was moving headlong into the promises of God. That was a revolution, ladies and gentlemen. When Israel rose up from their enslavement to the government of Egypt and they said, our God will deliver us. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. God stepped in and he delivered them. And the Bible says that after several plagues, after the firstborn of Egypt was, was killed by the death angel, Finally, Pharaoh let God's people go. They were released. They went forth out of Egypt. They were headed to the promised land. And and Moses and the children of Israel went forth into the land of or went into the wilderness. And they were going to become a great nation just as God had promised. They were going to become a great nation. As they come into this land of wilderness, they encounter the first Hiccup, which is the Red Sea, you know the story perhaps. The waters parted, they walked through on dry ground, they come up on the other side. They were hungry and God fed them with bread from heaven. They were thirsty and God issued water from a rock. 
Everything that they needed came from the Lord. Let me tell you something. It is idolatry for us to think that any institution will do what God should be doing in our lives. You need to remember that. You might be employed by a great employer, but if your employer goes under, God is your shepherd. I thank God for the United States government, and I pray for the leaders in the United States government. But should the United States government go under, the Lord is my shepherd. We should never place government above God. And that's what people will do. And this is why our friend from Ukraine told us when he was just a child, the first thing he learned in school, there is no God. There is no God. There is no God. That's why that is a, that is a common theme in our world today, in our nation today. There is no God. There is no, yes, there is a God. And I'm living proof, and you're living proof, and we have a testimony, and we ought to share it, and we ought to declare it, and we ought to let people know he brought me out of darkness. He placed me into his marvelous light. Hey, if, an, if I don't see another prophecy fulfilled from this Bible, I've already got enough evidence for what he did in my life to know there's God Almighty. He's on the throne. Hallelujah. So the Lord called Moses up into the mountain. And when Moses was taken up into the mountain, the Lord said, All right, Moses, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you my law. And that law was perfect. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto thee any graven image. You shall not steal you shall not kill you shall not commit adultery you shall not bear false witness you shall not covet you shall not you shall honor your parents and if you do the, your days will be long on the earth and, and he gave him these commandments from the Lord and ladies and gentlemen those commandments have served as the basis of free civilized societies ever since and there is a movement today to remove them from public facilities because they are viewed as religious documents instead of legal documents. And I'm going to tell you, I understand. It's a problem and it's a challenge. And you can go back and forth and we can debate all day. And we can get on Facebook and fill up Facebook with, with, with debate after debate. after. I get carpal tunnel if I try to do that. I can't, I can't keep up with the debate of this world. So here's what I'm going to tell you. That I'm waiting for Jesus to return. Because Jesus is the king of all kings. And none of this is going to get sorted out until he sets up his kingdom on this earth. Don't you realize that when it's all said and done, we're going to be looking for one with the answer. And it won't be the Antichrist, but it'll be the Lord Jesus Christ who has the answer to this world's problem. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we need Jesus. We need to preach Jesus. We need to sing Jesus. We need to teach Jesus. We need to shout about Jesus. Glory. 
So, so you can debate it, debate it, debate it, and people can talk about separation between church and state. And they can talk about how that the Ten Commandments don't belong in certain public facilities. And then we can talk about how that they're the basis of a free civil society. And we can talk about it until we are blue in the face. Only to understand when the conversation is over that the only solution is Jesus. But when God gave that law to Moses, and Moses gave that law to Israel, Moses became the first legislator. He became the first Lawgiver, lawmaker. We call our lawmakers representatives. That's what Moses was. Israel looked at him and said, you go to the mountain and you talk to God for us. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. American government, the reason that you can't take God out of American government is because American government ceases to be what it is supposed to be if you remove God from it. American government is an absolute reflection of Almighty God. Human institutions are reflections of Almighty God. And when they cease to be reflections of Almighty God, they become chaotic and confused. This is why marriage is a reflection of Almighty God. And when you have a union of one man and one woman, that is orderly, that is appropriate, that is a reflection of Almighty God. And, it, and the, the testimony of that is that it generates, it is the only human relationship that generates a human soul that lives forever. There is no greater power among human beings than to generate a human soul that lives forever. And it comes through the institution of marriage between one man and one woman. This is why a man with a man is not, it, it causes confusion because it is not a reflection of Almighty God. And a woman with a woman is not a reflection of Almighty God. What is a reflection of Almighty God is one man who represents Christ and one woman who represents his bride, the church. And that's why the devil wants to break up every marriage in this building. And that's why the devil wants to attack the very institution of marriage at its core. Because he knows that if these human institutions and relationships will reflect God, there will be order in society and peace and harmony. And if he can cause chaos and confusion, then there will be rampant hate, malice, Envy, pride, lust, and he can have his way. Every relationship is to reflect God. This is why I need to be a good husband. Because as a husband, I reflect God. This is why I need to be a good father. Because as a father, I reflect God. This is why I need to be a good friend. Because as a friend, I reflect God. This is why I need to be a good citizen. Because as a good citizen, I reflect God. When I'm a bad citizen, a bad father, a bad husband, when I don't reflect God as he should be reflected, it causes confusion. But if you let the Lord anoint you to be as he has called you to be, a reflection of him. He said, I am the light of the world. And then he looked at us and said, you are the light of the world. When they look at you, they should see the light of almighty God in Christ Jesus.
This is why, this is why, man, you should celebrate that God made you a man. And woman, you should celebrate that God made you a woman. Don't try to defy what the creator did. Even if you feel inadequate in some certain way, you let the Lord anoint you. Get close to God. Seek his face and let him remind you, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and I ordained you to be who you are. Hey, that is not hate speech. That is love speech. I'm not going to come up beside somebody and say, give in to your worst fears and give in to your feelings of weakness or inadequacy. I'm going to come up beside somebody and say, seek the face of God. Seek the word of the Lord. Let him pour his spirit into you and you'll be who he always designed you to be. Glory to God. And that's the same With our government. Our government must reflect the Lord. The the government must reflect the Lord. That's not a Republican or Democrat issue. That's a Bible issue. Our government should reflect the Lord our God. And so Moses, when he came down off of that mountain and he gave law to Israel, he was reflecting God as lawgiver. Because who's our lawgiver? The Lord is our lawgiver. Here comes Moses off that mountain. Israel didn't want to know God. So they have to learn God through relationships. Their relationship with Moses was going to teach them about God. And so he reflected God. That was when God established a legislative branch in Israel. Moses died. Joshua rose up. Joshua died. When Joshua died and his book concluded, the next book after Joshua was a book called Judges, the judiciary. And God established a judicial branch of government in Israel. And and Israel needed judges to help them understand what was the way of the Lord and what was the law of the Lord. That's what judges do. Judges interpret the law. They don't make the law. They interpret the law. I know this is a different kind of Sunday morning, and I almost didn't do this, but I felt the Lord urging me because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I can't sit by and let this this kind of a, a decision that's coming Tuesday be made without lending my voice and saying that above all and regardless of which way you're leaning, you better consider seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in anything that you say or do. And so judges interpret law. So when America starts saying that America that judges should make law from the bench, oh, this, uh-oh, this isn't a reflection of God. That's not how God's judges operate. The Lord is our lawgiver and the Lord is our judge. But in human government that reflects God properly, these are separate but equal branches. And the legislative branch makes the law. Then the judicial branch interprets the law. And when the judges finished their work in Israel, Samuel being the last judge, he anointed King Saul and he anointed King David. And God established a new branch of government called the executive branch of government. We went from lawgiver to judge to king. Three branches of government were established by God 
in Israel, each one reflecting God in its own unique way. So in the legislative branch of government, in our United States, our Constitution stipulates the legislative branch as being an, in, an entity that makes law. The judiciary is an entity that interprets law. The executive branch is an entity that enforces law. And it is important that these three branches maintain the integrity of these responsibilities. And when we begin to confuse them, they cease to reflect God as they ought to. So people can talk about taking God out of the foundation of America all they want. But if you take God out of the foundation of America, we cease to be America. We might hold on to the name United States of America, but we're no longer the free people that God has ordained us to be. But I believe God has ordained us to be a free people. And, and, and most particularly, I believe that God made us a free people because of the nation of Israel. Israel has the same branches of government, and Israel maintains this same freedom in its modern state. It comes from Genesis chapter 49, when Jacob on his deathbed is blessing his children, and he says to Judah, he said that a scepter shall not depart from Judah. That's the executive branch, nor the lawgiver from between his feet. That's the legislative branch. He said Dan shall be a judge among his people. That's the judicial branch. So Israel, Jacob said this prophecy is given to you for the last days. This is what will happen in the last days. Scepter, lawgiver, judge of his people. Judicial, legislative, executive branches of government. And this is one of the reasons why America must remain the ally of the nation of Israel. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If America will bless Israel, God will bless America. And if America will curse Israel, God will curse America. That's what the word of the Lord says. He said, I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. So America must remain. When the Bible describes Israel as being chased into the wilderness in the book of Revelation by the great beast, and that the wings of an eagle come and aid her in her escape. Ladies and gentlemen, that eagle sounds a lot like America. I believe God's blessings will continue to pour upon our nation if we continue to stand with the nation, state of Israel, and say, if God be for you, who can be against you? Oh, hallelujah. 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 And so where does this, but where, I mean, how does this reflect God? How does government reflect God? And how does the legislative branch and the judicial branch and the executive branch, how do they reflect God? Well, this is where it becomes real personal to you and I. This is where it comes down to where we live. Because government, ladies and gentlemen, remember what Abraham Lincoln said, President Lincoln. Government of the people, by the people. For the people, by the people. When he said this in his Gettysburg Address, he was referring to the power of self-government. 
How that you are able somehow, this is the mystery of America, that people are able somehow to govern themselves in a wise way. The fact that, and and Paul said concerning the law, the law is for the manslayer. So, So just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's right. And our laws should reflect, again, should reflect God. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, the church must stand and lend our voice against the horrible sin of abortion. Abortion is not a policy issue. Abortion is not a policy issue. Abortion is not something that's debatable or negotiable. Before he formed us in the belly, he knew us. God, no, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about that human being inside that womb. God said in his word that he knew them before he formed them. That's the, that's, the, that's the authority upon which we understand that that is a human being inside of that womb and the church must stand up. This isn't a political issue. This is a, this is a moral issue from the word of the Lord. It is wrong. It is sin. And we must declare God to be true and every man a liar. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know, you know, Herod, Herod did this. Herod started killing the babies right before Moses came onto the scene. The devil inspired him to kill the babies in hopes of killing Moses. Or pardon me, Pharaoh. Herod did the same thing when Jesus was born. When Jesus was about to be born, the devil inspires David to go kill all the babies in hopes of killing Jesus. My question is, what prophet is the devil trying to kill? What prophetic ministry is the devil trying to abort? What messianic, come on somebody, what messianic ministry is the enemy trying to abort? At the end of the day, we have to stand up and say, our God is a God who breathes the breath of life and man becomes a living soul. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So where does this, where does this, how does this reflect God? Well, we have to understand that God reveals himself to us in three ways. One God reveals himself to us in three ways. Everybody say, Hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. He is one Lord. But he reveals himself to us in three ways. The first way that we understood God was that we understood God as Father. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and God said let there be light and there was light God revealed himself first to humanity as our heavenly father and when he spoke this world into existence he was the lawgiver that's where we call natural law natural laws our founding fathers referred to it they referred to it as this nature's law laws of nature and nature's god these laws of nature came from our heavenly father so the first role of god was as father which was the role of lawgiver this is why if you plant a seed into the ground and sun and water are applied to the seed that seed will bring forth abundantly after its own kind 
This is the true, true of the animal kingdom, and this is true of humankind. When seed is deposited and fertilized, it produces another human being. This is a law of nature, and nature's God. And that's how God revealed himself first and foremost as heavenly father, law giver. The next revelation of God, when God revealed himself to us in the second way, he revealed to himself, same God, one God, not a different person, same God, because the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. The second way that God revealed himself was that he revealed himself to us as the son of God. So first we understand him as our heavenly father. Next we understand him as the only begotten son of God. When he entered this world as the only begotten son of God, he entered this world as the judge. This is why he knew no sin. And we talk about it's important for a judge to be impartial. It's important for a judge to be unbiased. It's important for a judge to be be able to be objective and to look only at the law and at the circumstances. And this is Jesus. This is a reflection of Jesus. There's a reason a judge has to be that way. It's because Jesus was that way. Jesus was truth in human form. Jesus was the law of God, walking, talking, breathing. If you wanted to know what thou shalt not commit adultery looks like, look at Jesus. Don't look at people. They'll fail you. Look at Jesus. If you want to know what thou shalt not steal looks like, don't look at people. They'll fail you. Look at Jesus. If you want to know what thou shalt not lie looks like, don't look at people. They'll fail you. Look at Jesus. Jesus was the judge because he was the only one who was worthy to take the books and open the books and loose the seals thereof. He's the only one. This is why we need to thank God every day we're going to be judged by Jesus. You know why the lamb is the one who's going to bring judgment? He opens the books because judgment can only be trusted into the hands of of one whose mercy endures forever. Jesus came to interpret the law that God had given. This is why when his disciples are out picking corn and the Pharisees on the Sabbath and the Pharisees come up and say, Hey, hey, hold up! Why are they picking corn on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, Oh, you're talking about remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, let me interpret that for you. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So then they bring a woman caught in the act of adultery and they throw her at the feet of Jesus and they see the law of Moses says she should be stoned. And Jesus said, yeah, I gave you that law, so let me interpret that law for you. Let him that hath no sin cast the first stone. Oh, they're all gone. Woman, where are thine accusers? Lord, I have none. Neither do I condemn thee. Here's the little amazing thing. The only one that could cast a stone was Jesus. And he chose not to. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go! And sin no more. You know, we're different than Jesus. We shouldn't be, but we are. This is how we would have done it. We would have said, if you'll go and sin no more, I won't condemn thee. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, I don't condemn thee right now. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus was the judge. He was the worthy lamb. He was the one who interpreted the law of God. And when 
We couldn't understand the law of God. It was too much for us to ascertain. It was too far for us to understand. It was too perfect for us to ever attain to it. And then Jesus walks among us. And we behold his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and full of truth. This is Jesus. The judge of mankind. So our judiciary should be a proper reflection of God. Fair judgment. Our legislative branch, the laws that we make. This is why laws that are made that contradict the word of God. Laws that are made that are in contradiction to this holy book. They will only cause confusion and unrest in society. And ladies and gentlemen, I've got to tell you. When you're looking at human government, there is no human being who should be trusted with all the powers of government. This is why it is important that government be conserved. We talk about conserving. The reason government must be conserved is because if a human being gets a hold of the powers and the mechanisms of government... It is unending what they are capable of doing. And they end up hurting people and helping themselves. And this is why, this is why it's so difficult for a human being to handle this kind of power. Government makes law, interprets law, enforces law. When one person, this is why America is so beautiful. It's America the beautiful. I know we got flaws. We got a lot of them. But it's still America the beautiful because we are able to separate these powers among people. So that it's not just a tyrant who's making, interpreting, and enforcing the law. We should protect that with our votes. And we should praise God that he gave us that kind of a nation in which to raise our children. I know this world is not our home, but I'm going to tell you something. The martyrs who gave their lives in governments and in nations that were run by people who hated God and who hated Christians would tell you if they could cherish this opportunity and cherish this nation and bless the Lord by voting according to the righteousness of his holy word. And I know this is a hard election to do that. I know that. That's why I say pray and fast. Amen. And seek the face of God and call upon his mighty power and call upon his wisdom and say, Lord, lead me and guide me and help me to do your holy will. The executive branch is a reflection of God because God revealed himself to us in a third way. The third way that God revealed himself to humanity is that God sent himself into this world, not only as the only begotten Son of God, but also as the Holy Ghost, which is our comforter. And this is what he said the Holy Ghost would do. He said the Holy Ghost will bring all things whatsoever I have said to your remembrance. When the Holy Ghost gets inside of an individual, The Holy Ghost represents the part of God who enforces the law of God. When the Holy Ghost gets down inside of me, the Holy Ghost will tell me, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery. 
and, and listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, you have heard, thou shalt not commit adultery. I've come to tell you. I'm going to interpret that for you. Since you're having a hard time interpreting that, I'm going to interpret that for you. If you look on a woman and lust after her, you have committed adultery already in your heart. He said, you have heard that you should not kill. But I'm going to interpret that for you. Since you're having a hard time and you're finding every loophole in the book. If you hate your brother and sister, then you have committed the murder already in your heart. The Holy Ghost comes in and gives you the power not to hate your brother. The Holy Ghost comes in and gives you power not to lust. The Holy Ghost comes in and gives you power to live above sin. The Holy Ghost comes in and gives you power to walk right, talk right, live right in an unrighteous generation. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. Hallelujah. Real government is not centered in Washington, D.C. Real government is centered in the heart, the mind, the soul of every human being. It is the law written on your heart. It's being buried in his name. It's being filled with his spirit. That's when you are going to be governed the way God wants you to be governed. Hallelujah. 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 That's why the Bible says his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. His name shall be called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, regardless of the outcome of Tuesday, November 8, 2016, we've got to remember this is still one nation under God. And this government is still upon his shoulders. And he's coming back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And regardless of what laws Washington, D.C. will make, or how they'll interpret them, or how they'll enforce them, regardless of what laws they refuse to make, or refuse to interpret, or refuse to enforce His law is still written on our hearts. Hallelujah. 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 This is why we're going to keep preaching the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. This is when he's king of your life. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, he becomes king. He becomes the executive. Hallelujah. He begins to execute his law inside your body. And all of a sudden, you start making good decisions. All of a sudden, you start resisting pride. All of a sudden, you start refusing to walk down certain paths and to go into certain places and, 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 and involve yourself in certain kinds of lifestyles. What is that? That's the governance of God in you. That's the Zion's righteous governor. That's the king of all kings. That's the prince of peace. That's the Lord of all lords. You're being governed by the perfect law of liberty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you know they say that the narcissistic personality has a disorder has existed in so many of our heads of state through the years? So many. And we pray for our leaders and we're not disparaging any of them. But I think we all know that. There's some pretty big egos out there. We know that. 
Narciss, the narcissistic concept came from the mythology of the one who loves their reflection in the water. The Bible talks about us seeing our reflection. The Bible says that when we hear the word of the Lord, we see ourselves in a reflection. And we have to choose. Are we going to be that narcissist who looks at what we see? The Bible will reveal to you who you are. You read this book enough and it will show you exactly who you are. How many of you have ever been reading the Bible and you just had to close it for just a little while? <laughs> and just a little too close to home. I'm just, I'll just praise him. I'll just praise the Lord. That's what I'll just praise him. Hidden just a little too close to home. But the Bible said that if we would behold ourselves in a, in a mirror, he said we those who only hear the word but don't do anything about it are like that narcissist who looks in the mirror, sees the flaws, but sees them as positive traits. But if you'll really be governed by God and let the perfect law of liberty establish itself in your hearts, then you will look in the mirror, this is your mirror, and you will see the flaws and you'll do something about it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You know, when I open this Bible, you know the reflection that I'm looking at and I'm realizing I'm so far from it? I'm looking at Jesus. See, see, the carnal man will take a good look at himself and take inventory and try to make changes uh, in themselves. But the spirit man will look at Jesus and begin to make changes in themselves. See, when I see the way Jesus treats people, when I see the way Jesus looks at the things of God, when I see the way Jesus prays, when I see the way Jesus obeys, when I see the way Jesus makes sacrifices, when I see the way Jesus lives his life, then it informs me and instructs me of how I should live my own. I don't just look at myself and try to make improvements. I look at Jesus and let him be Lord of my life. Can you let him be governor of all in your heart today? Can you let him be king of all in your life today? Hallelujah. Can you let the Lord Jesus Christ take his rightful role on the throne? Let me say it this way. We like to treat Jesus the way King Saul liked to treat David. He wanted King David to come, or he wasn't King David at the time. He wanted David to come and play his little harp until the evil spirits went away. That's what we want Jesus to do. We'll turn on, we'll turn on the Christian radio station just so the evil spirits can't get in the car. We'll crank it up. Oh, God, we're going to do that till all those evil spirits go away. And then, and then he wanted David to come help him fight Goliath. Because he was afraid. He knew he couldn't take Goliath or felt he couldn't take Goliath. And he said, all right, David, you go take Goliath. Go fight my giants and drive away my evil spirits. But when it's time for David to be king, he didn't want David to be king. We do that to Jesus. Jesus, drive away my evil spirits and fight my giants, but don't try to be king. I'm ready to let Jesus be king. I'm ready to let Jesus be the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. Come on, somebody, stand with me. 
Put your hands together. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could take just a moment right now and lift our voices in prayer for our nation in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's lift our voices right now and say, God, help our nation. Lord God, our whole nation is making a choice this Tuesday. And in the name of Jesus, we seek your divine will and we seek your divine direction. God, everybody, so many people are so conflicted. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will grant your divine direction. Grant your wisdom in the name of Jesus. Lord God, it seems like humanity reaches an all-time low. And our choices have become so, so complicated. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you give people divine direction. Lord, let your word lead us. Let your word lead us. Let your word lead us. Let your spirit lead us. Let your spirit lead us. In the precious name of Jesus. 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 Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, God, be exalted in our nation. Lord Jesus, be exalted in our nation. Come on, let's pray that prayer. Let's pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, be exalted in our nation. Lord Jesus, be exalted in our nation. Lord Jesus, be exalted in our nation. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Lord Jesus, be exalted in our nation. We need you, Jesus. 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 Glory, hallelujah. Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be It's always been you, Jesus Jesus, seen again Jesus be the center of it all Jesus be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Yes, Lord. 
The Bible says, the Bible says, to make your calling and election sure. I have elected Jesus. There was a time in my life where this here was a battleground state. There was a time where this was a swing state. But today it's solid Jesus. And you know what? There's some things that come down the pike that tried to run against him. But I just keep reelecting him. Keep reelecting him. Keep reelecting him. Keep re I don't want anybody but Jesus. I don't want anybody but Jesus. And it doesn't matter what state over here does this or what state over there does that. He's my king. He's my God. He's my judge. He's my lawgiver. He's my God and Father. If you've made Jesus your elected king, you get to choose. It's your, it's your choice. He's not a dictator. He's not a tyrant. He doesn't, he doesn't come in with a military coup and overthrow what you got going on. If you want him, you can have him. If you want to choose him, choose you this day. Whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, if that's your declaration today, why don't you just give him the praise? Why don't you just give him the praise? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. As for me and my house. Come on, I'm not letting the doctrine of devils into this house. I'm not letting some kind of philosophy come into this house. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I don't want heresy in this house. I want Jesus. I want Jesus in my mind. I want Jesus in my soul. I want Jesus in my body. I want Jesus to take control. Hallelujah. Come on. Jesus be the center of it all. Oh, 